back to Lead Up Katie Cast. We are delighted to be joined by the well-known Tom Murray, who is all things education. He's one of our education heroes here in KDISD. Uh, we've always learned a lot from him anytime we've ever visited with him. He's uh, all over Twitter with all kinds of uh, self-help and motivational uh videos that I encourage all of you to check out if you haven't already. But I'm here with my buds, uh, uh, Mark McCord and Chris Bailey. They are uh, administrators here in KDISD at Stock Dick Junior High. I myself are, uh, am the, the principal at KD Junior High. Tom has a lot of insight relative to self-care, keeping motivated, and, and, and motivating others. And we're going to kind of break this uh, podcast up into three parts, uh, personal care, care for our staff, and then ultimately, most importantly, care for our students. But Tom, we can't thank you enough for being with us. It is awesome to be with y'all. Hello, Katie ISD, some of my favorite folks in the country. It's awesome to be with y'all. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So like Jake said, Tom, we just want to start off with, uh, with thinking about how we take care of ourselves here at the beginning of the year. As I was just saying, for some of us, the, the next day off of work is Thanksgiving, and uh, while obviously the, the you know, teaching profession is a labor of love, it can also uh, start being a little bit of a grind as we're away from our families more and as we get busy. And uh, so we just want to start with a little bit about how we kind of keep ourselves rejuvenated and taking care of ourselves as we make this long stretch to Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's such an important topic, and I'll just come out and say this is not a topic that I've mastered by any means. This is a topic that at times I've hit rock bottom, and I know that feeling, whether as a teacher, when I was a principal, whether at district office, or now in the work that I do nationally. Um, but self-care is a must. The bottom line is when we don't take care of ourselves, it's virtually impossible to really take care of other people. Mm. Mm-hmm. And educators are constantly charged with taking care of others. You know, one of the analogies I like to make, and I don't know if I saw it one time on Twitter or Facebook, it wasn't my original thought, but it's this really this notion of how we intentionally plug in our phones every day. You know, we go to bed, we plug in our phone, we would never go like without, you know, having a full charge on the, in the battery in the morning. But yet quite often we don't do that to ourselves. We'll go months without it. And so if we're going to invest in the lives of other people and we're going to face those difficult scenarios, if we're not taking care of ourselves in the process, we're not operating at full capacity. Mm -hmm. So first and foremost, I'm not coming at this as somebody that's perfected this. I'm coming at it as somebody that knows the feeling of hitting that rock bottom, feeling like the only alternative I have is to slow down. You know, you think about Um, not to be drastic here, but when you think about when a trauma scenario happens or there's a death in the family or there's something that happens, you know, you think you watch people's responses. People start to talk about how, yeah, it's really forced me to slow down or, Mm. you know, yeah, it's it's really taken my time and I've really evaluated my priorities. Or, you know, you think about the the message when you get on an airplane tomorrow, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., I'll board for Nashville to run something down there. And as soon as the plane's about to pull out, we've all heard it a thousand times on planes every time you know if um the 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 person that um flight attendant there you go that's the word i was looking for (laughs) the flight attendant will stay in there they'll hold their oxygen mask and they'll give you the whole saying you know in event of an emergency the oxygen mask will drop and please put it on yourself (laughs) before you know taking care of somebody else and i think that analogy has been made around self-care a whole lot um in my new book personal authentic i use that analogy but i actually push against it saying that is quite often what we do in education is we go and we go and we go and it takes an emergency 
to take care of ourselves. And that's not the way it needs to be. We need to be intentional about it. And so instead of waiting for the oxygen mask to drop, and maybe it's a spouse saying, I haven't seen you in a month and we're falling apart and I'm feeling disconnected. What's going on? Or maybe it's, it's you know, maybe it's a child that's saying like, how come you're not coming to any of my games ever? And you're always at work at night. You know, it sometimes it takes those moments, but how do we get ahead of those moments so that that way we're not forgetting about our families, forgetting about our own children, forgetting about, yes, we want to invest ourselves in our life's work as educators, but it cannot come at the expense of our personal well-being or our families at home. Yeah. And, uh, in reference to your book, Personal and Authentic, and just right there in the beginning of chapter one, the very first thing is about relationships, right? Um, and, and how you build those and grow those from, from uh, the inside out. So that makes total sense. Um, and you hit the nail on the head in terms of, of the, um, uh, the time away from the family. That's certainly something that I'm convicted about a lot in uh, giving to others, but not taking the time to give uh, to my family. So, um, so that, that's something that I'm uh, working towards being a little bit more intentional about. Um, a little bit more compartmentalizing, you know, the, the work that I do at home and, uh, and at school because it can become very, very gray sometimes. A, a good friend of mine um, talks about um, uh, the uh, spaghetti brain and the waffle brain, you know, and, and sometimes right now I kind of feel like I have spaghetti brain. It's going all over the place. And so uh, I got to get back into the waffle brain in some areas of my life for sure. Mm-hmm. So, so, Tom, I have a question about uh, your, your thoughts on – uh, being a connected educator, I know that you are. Uh, we strive to do the same, and we know that there's there's healing um, in that commiserative conversation. You know, being connected through Voxer, through Twitter, through Facebook. You know, uh, but how do you balance becoming you know that not over hyper connected? Because you know you can you can spend a lot of time uh, working through social media and make sure that you're connecting and, and maintaining those relationships. They're even bigger than and beyond your family. Uh, so how would you, how do you do that? How do you balance those, um, the social media platforms and, and that work? So I, I think, again, it's about being intentional and it's about um, being conscious of where you're spending your time. I, I, I told this story the other day. I did an opening for a district and I was talking about modeling and I asked teachers, you know, what do you expect? And they had to write down their expectations, their principles. What do you expect from those you lead? They had to write down a number of expectations. And I shared a story where about a month ago I was at home and it was time for dinner and my little boy had his iPad and he's six years old and he's walking over to the dinner table. And as he's walking to the dinner table, he's carrying his iPad. And I'm like, I'm like, Caden, you got to put that down, bud. Not while we're eating dinner. And so, you know, he goes and he's grunting and groaning as a six year old. (laughs) I'm like, bud, we're eating dinner as a family. So about 10 minutes into dinner, my phone buzzes and it's in my pocket. And you know where I'm going with this. I kind of glance at it down at the side. I look down and and then I wait. Oh, that that important email that I was waiting to see if I if something was going to be coming up. I need to get I glance at it and I pull it out. And as I start reading it, I kid you not, my wife under the table kicks me so (laughs) my son and he's just smiling like, yeah, what's up, daddy? How about you? Right. Uh, I share that because there I was telling my son to do one thing, not doing the other. And the reason I share that story for me, it's here. How, what are the expectations we have for ourselves, but also that we have for others? If we're going to ask our teachers as principals to invest in the lives of others, but to take care of themselves, how are we going to do that as well? And so that little analogy at home is I wasn't being intentional about maybe turning the phone off so I would and feel the vibration or mm-hmm. myself, you know, when I get home, it's off and it's away because I know that I, I struggle with the distraction of even within. And I know I did this as a teacher and a principal. It's just part of my
my personality. If I see things that are in my inbox, I want to look at them. I want to respond as soon as I can. But if I'm not intentional about saying to myself, I'm not going to do that um, as a teacher, if I'm not intentional about saying I'm going to leave all my grading on my desk on a Friday so that I can get home and not do work this weekend, sure. it's a being intentional because when I was a teacher I'd bring it home and then what happened Saturday morning I'm sitting there grading I'm doing something and you know there's my kids or there's my wife at home saying kind of what about me so to me it comes down to you have to be intentional about it and I don't even care if it's putting something on your calendar if you need to mm -hmm. we do what we have to do and sometimes that means turning it off sometimes that means unplugging sometimes it means leaving it at school but I would also say one of the pieces is about accountability I know one of the things because you were talking about Vox you're talking about Twitter I've, I've made some incredible relationships with people that we've connected with. So first on, on, on something like social media, I, I think of people like Jimmy Casas, Joe Sanfilippo, Eric Scheninger. Those are guys I talk to literally every day using different tools and different apps, but I know they're gonna keep me accountable. I look to them, they'll push my thinking, they'll give me feedback on something. Um, talking about reference the new book, I would send them a chapter and they'd say, Tom, that, that this part's boring as anything. You gotta go back and revise this. Because they're going to keep me, they're going to keep me accountable, and so I think it's somebody, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a colleague, whether it's a really close friend that can not just tell you what you want to hear, but tell you like it is, and tell you, man, you are not investing your family, or so maybe it's that accountability part, or maybe it's somebody at church, maybe whoever that person is that you can can trust, and maybe you can give that back to them as well. I think it's about being intentional, number one, but then having somebody that's going to call you out if you need to in a loving way is number two. Mm -hmm. I love the analogy that you used with the, the mask coming down and they want you to take care of yourself before you take care of anybody else. And that's just not the norm for an educator uh, because we're so used to and driven to take care of others uh, and to, to help others, to educate others. Uh, but, but your other story about your son reminds me of, of, of my house. Uh, we're, we're recently empty nesters and I've gotten into a really bad habit or I've always had the habit of having my phone with me because if something, if it goes off, it's gotta be important. And my wife has constantly, uh, asked that I not bring that to the dinner table. And it's, again, it's, it's, it's a hard, mm -hmm. it's a hard, it's, it's about habits. You, you've got to form how you got to be intentional as you indicated. And if it's important enough to me to, to bond with my wife, which it is, honey, it's incredibly important. Uh, then we have to be intentional about it. And, you know, uh, your, your wife kicking you is like my wife kicking me, but I'm the one that's got the phone. So it's, I can relate to that so well. And I think we all can, we're all mm -hmm. guilty of, uh, being too invested in our life's work, uh, that sometimes we forget about ourselves and certainly for, we forget about others who, who, build us up and, and keep us going, uh, namely our spouses, our significant others, our children, whatever the case may be. But uh, love the analogy because well, if we're not taking care of ourselves, we can't take care of anybody else. And I would say, too, we're not just – we're not just, uh, and you know, we're not just making ourselves more disciplined and, and training ourselves, but we're training the other side of the communication as well. Uh, when I went, when, when I was a band director, I literally answered emails and phone calls if they came 24 hours a day. I answered them, you know, I, I would, I would find myself waking up at 1am, 2am, 3am, 4am, and literally answering those emails all day long. Um, it finally dawned on me that I, they're, they're not, they're, they're not abusing my time. Like I'm training them that I'm available right. during that time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when I went from being a band director to an administrator, I, I made an overt decision to, 
uh, train those that communicate with me about when I'm going to, uh, to be available. And I say often now, um, feel free to text or email or call anytime. Whenever I am unavailable, I shut my um, device down. And so uh, you might not get a call till the next day. And I've, I've yet to come across somebody who uh, is defiant about that or, mm. or angry about that uh, by any means. And by doing that, um, I really have uh, gotten a lighter load of email or communication um, after hours. Uh, and, you know, and that's helped me balance my time with my family a little bit more. Um, but we all fall into those traps and, and, uh, we all go back to the, to the well in terms of, uh, trying to do the work and keep doing the work the next day. And that's also made me think about how I communicate with others too. And we're about to get into staff, but, um, you know, attempt trying not to send those emails at seven o'clock at night when I need, uh, you know, I, I want to rejuvenate myself, but also I need my staff to be ready to go for the next day too. Right. And so if I'm sending stuff at seven, eight, nine, then, the uh, hidden messages and I'm expecting them to read that. Um, and so we have to be careful of that as well. Yeah, no, I can certainly relate to that. When I knew to my new position in Washington, DC, it was, it was the, uh, my first year, my first evaluation in a new role after having been on the other side from school leadership. And I was asking them, you know, so tell me, what is it that I can improve? How can I get better? Tell me. And, and I remember very distinctly, well, there's this one thing. And I was like, bring it. What do you got? I want to get better. How do I do it? And the lady said, well, you know, I, I have to say sometimes some people kind of get stressed out because you do a lot of emails at night and you do a lot of emails on the weekend. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, because my lens, to be honest, was just me. Like I wasn't thinking of what you were just sharing on the other side. Mine was just, I wanted to be responsive. I wanted to get back to people. I wanted to show that, hey, I'm getting right back to you here. So that was my intent. But on the other side of it, on a Saturday, it could be intended of like, when I'm thinking, hey, what do you think? I certainly didn't mean before Monday morning, you know, unless right. But unless you're stating that, so one of the strategies, going back to what you were saying, I schedule a lot now. Yeah. So I, if I'm doing things at 8 o'clock at night, I'll actually schedule it for 9, 10 in the morning. So mm -hmm. they don't even get it until then. But for me, it's part of my, like, I'm very concrete, sequential. I want to check things off the list. I want to make sure I'm back to people. Um, and I think especially when you're in leadership positions as principals like you are and I have been or in leadership positions like I am now, you, making sure we don't un unintentionally come across as, I'm, you know, I expect you to respond and there it is Sunday morning and somebody sitting at church trying to email you back because they feel like that's your expectations. So you just schedule those things. It's off your plate. They get it at an appropriate time. And I use that all the time and it solved it. But again, it took somebody pointing out to me, people are getting stressed out because they're feeling like they have to when that was not remotely in my intent. So my lens was kind of blinded on that end, but I was glad somebody pointed it out. So, But I think you, you bring up a very good point, Tom, because a lot of, a lot of, a lot of leaders, don't get feedback don't uh don't ask for that feedback and I, I mean it's it's just part of the job and i think as leaders we have to be open to constructive criticism as much as we give it we have to be open to getting it and receiving it and that's just a very simple i mean your, your idea behind you know uh sending it out and then setting it up to go out at a particular time, which I didn't know you could do for decades. Uh, <laughs> I had an AP that kind of shared that with me, that little trick. But, I mean, I think we, like you said, we all fall in that cat, that to that trap of, you know, we want to get back with people. We want to be very immediate. Uh, but then we don't want to give the message that, hey, I, I expect you to do the same because I do not expect. That's the last thing on my mind. I feel like I'm kind of like you are, and I just want to get it done, check it off the list so that I can move on, but I don't want to make anybody else feel like they've got to do the same thing. So I, I like the time 
the the time I guess timed email right opportunity. That, that delayed delivery is, yes. is magic on Outlook yes, for sure indeed. so Tom can we move uh, to uh, talk a little bit about our staff and and what what do we do as leaders school leaders to keep our staff uh, motivated and fired up uh, so they've got that sort of uh, start of the year fire as we move into that you know that crunch month where we know that morale and engagement tends to dip so what can we do to to be proactive and avoid that that big dip so I think just in terms of your question, you point out things that every educator can relate to. You know, I had the privilege of doing a whole bunch of uh, welcome backs for districts. They're some of my favorite days. The energy's high, the the um, the balls are bouncing around and people are, you know, hitting the beach balls throughout and people are singing songs and, you know, waving noodles. Like <laughs> what happens over the course of the year? Like how come that doesn't happen mid-March? Like I've never been to a district where you walk in mid-March and they're hitting the beach balls, got the things going. <laughs> You know, right, right around standardized testing time. Like, how come that's not the case? Yeah. So, going to your question, when you when you talk about like those points in the year, there there's actually a scientific piece to it. So, one of the books that I really enjoyed was Daniel Pink's When, and I've, I've um, gotten I really enjoyed Daniel's work. I had the conversation with him right before he released it about some of the preface behind it, some of the research behind it, and he studied everything about things like midlife crisis. Is it is it a real thing? Do people really hit it? You know, why is it in the middle of a year we feel that dip? You know, like that January February lull. Like, why are we all thinking like, well, spring will get there eventually? You know, like that. Why has that become our mindset as opposed to you know the let's live in the now and now can be great too. And so just by the nature of your question, we point out something educators can all relate to. So it's how do we intentionally get around that? If we know that October lull is going to happen, what do we do as principals to make parts of October some of the best parts yet? And so we have to we got we have to pick out those points of the year around standardized testing that mid-year, you know, or that that lull in October before Thanksgiving break where they're starting to count down that date and and they're they're tired and it's you know we're, we're a number of weeks in and um, the honeymoon period with kids is over. What can we do during those times? How can we make those some of the best faculty meetings in a given year? How can we go out of our way as principals to to walk around our building, to, to build the energy up, to model to them what it can look like? Because if they're feeling like they're dragging and, they're, and I've been there as well and I know that feeling, well, that has implications on the classroom which then have implications on our kids and then learning. Mm -hmm. So I think we have, I don't think it's just, this is a nice thing to do. I think this is a thing we have to do. So I would do two things to start. Instead of just giving like, here's recommendations and what I would do, besides the modeling piece, I'd ask two groups. Number one, I'd ask your staff. Guys, every October, we're all like mid-October, we're kind of dragging, we're counting down between now and Thanksgiving. What can we do in mid-October to make mid-October something we look forward to and not something we just try and get through? Like, this is not something we have to do, this is something we want to do. And I would ask kids, because if, if our teachers are feeling like that, our kids are gonna be feeling like that as well. And so what can we plan during those times intentionally? What can we do to build our staff up intentionally? The other piece that I would say is, is let's not forget our support staff in these questions and this conversation. One of the things that I love about doing openings, I find about half district, half the districts invite their support staff, half the districts don't. And I will tell you, and when the superintendent asks my opinion, I will say every time, I want my support staff there. Bring me the custodians, bring me the support staff, bring me the bus drivers. Number one, they need to feel like a recognized part of the team. But number two, they either build culture or tear it down every single day as well. And so what can we do to get their feedback, their input, to make sure that they're feeling that way as well, our kitchen staff and so on and so 
so forth. And they also could have really good ideas as things we can do to continue to build morale at the time. So we have to be intentional about it. We've got to ask kids and also include support staff in those conversations. I love the fact that you, you kind of emphasize the, everyone. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things that I think we, we, we never do enough. Uh, and, and I, I'm getting better at it because the more I listen to folks like you, Tom, and the more I read, and I did my, I, I myself read Pink, uh, Pink's Win this summer, and it's kind of made me rethink uh, st- staff development, PD, faculty meetings, uh, and it gave me the opportunity to share with my staff that, you know, 45 minutes into a period, or a period as being 45 minutes, there are, there are opportunities for you to get the kids to stand up, shake loose, I mean, just shake it out. And, and just kind of take a little mental break and sit back down and, and, and get back to work. And that's kind of how I, I plan my, my opening uh, segment of our professional development. And, and I got a lot of uh, positive uh, affirmations from what I had done that was so different from anything else I'd done. It was kind of sit and get, here it is, here's me, let's have a great year. Come on, yeah. our team. But it was just interesting. I mean, it was and, and just very subtle changes – uh, and around here, there is a, uh, a, a company called Journey Ice that makes the best shaved ice flavored snow cones you can imagine. <laughs> and those are huge. Those are big. And jeans days and little things like that. And, and just celebrating the small victories uh, along yeah. the way are, are one of the things that I've, I'm way more intentional about than I used to be. And it's just because we, all, we do go through those biorhythmic uh, troughs and, and we have to we have to build back up because we work with kids every single day and they feed off of our energy or they don't and if they don't that's a problem yeah so if you look at what you're also getting at one of the greatest growths i've seen nationally in the last couple of years is around learning sciences um we have, in dc are doing some work my team's doing some around the science of adolescent learning because and as middle school principals you know the teen brain is just an interesting <laughs> the interesting part of this world isn't it yes, and it's it is. but it's different biologically it's different and so you know when you get to things like movement it's why um you know i did a keynote two days ago even in an hour in a keynote that's typically meant to be one directional I will have people stand three, four, five times, even if it's for a 30 second thing that's funny, something that's a one minute piece. I will also break up, you know, for instance, I'll use a lot of video throughout, even if it's a 10 second clip that's hysterical because it brings Mm -hmm. people in. There are things that suck people back in. What I found and actually in talking with Dan Fink, um, he talked about this, this idea of like every seven minutes, like, and I know there's different statistics, but they're all about that, that the average adult can really focus for about seven minutes before you start to like glance at email, glance at your phone, turn to have that sidebar conversation. So for me, if I'm presenting, it's okay. I don't want to go my own voice much more than seven minutes without breaking it up. And so I try and be really intentional about that. So we think about it in the classroom, you know, there's absolutely times to be upfront and standing and sharing great content. But if it's 52 straight minutes of Tom's voice and zero minutes of no, of kids voice, not only is that bad pedagogy, you're going against what science tells tells us about how the brain works. Mm-hmm. And so it's more than just like, here's this thought or idea or opinion. It's really, it's really from a science end now, and the learning science is telling us that that's the case. And so it can be a simple trick is something like this. You know, maybe you're sharing content for six or seven minutes, and you say to the class, all right, stand up, find somebody you haven't talked to you know, yet today. You have a minute and a half to have this conversation go. And everybody just moves. It's a quick conversation. Maybe it's just that 
digesting something that was just shared. Maybe it's something from a video. Maybe it's something that they just read. And so instead of the old, I'll stand up front, ask a question, I'll call out one out of 28 kids, and I know, you know, three and a half percent of what the class was thinking, <laughs> I could do almost the same amount of time by stand up, talk to somebody that's not next to you, have that same conversation. Now, every kid's having the conversation instead of just the one. It may take an extra two minutes, but you get kids moving. You do that a couple times. It's kind of when the bum is numb, the brain's not doing some lots of thinking here and we as adults know that like we look at our preference would we want to sit desks in rows in, in a professional learning style all day long we wouldn't at all but yet sometimes we do that to kids and so when we think about the greatest classrooms kids are engaged kids are moving and teachers are intentionally building that in and again it doesn't have to cost money it can be as simple as i'm going to commit to at least three to four times in a period i'll take three to four minutes to stand up and have the conversation even if it's with the person right next to them just physically standing up and getting to stretch just watch what happens kids naturally kind of stretch out they're stretching their back out they're moving around that tells you naturally your body needs to move. And if we're not moving, um, we do it naturally for kindergarten, first grade, because we know, but guess what? It's just as important in 11th and 12th grade as well. Uh, and one of the things that our administrative team has been intentional about is, is articulating what our goals as an administrative team ha are for the year, uh, which are centered around, um, you know, understanding the needs of the staff, um, you know, things like, um, um, the staff feeling like like we are supporting them and helping them learn and grow and that uh, that we are responsive to their concerns and and so um, making their job easier making their job easier not easy because the job of the teacher is never going to be easy but removing some of those those roadblocks and barriers to to what they do and uh, it's the first time that that I can re recall uh, being intentional about sharing our goals in a, as an administrative team and the the uh, the responses have been quite interesting. Mm. You know, some uh, uh, you know, whenever I say, you know, and if I'm falling short in some of these areas, I'd like for your your um, <laughs> your uh, your feedback on that. And uh, the 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 blank stare of you're like, yeah, right, I'm ever going to do that. Um, but uh, but uh, um, I, I, I'm authentic about it, and I do want that that feedback. But uh, it, most of the conversations have really kind of opened the door to being a little bit more um, um, a little bit more timely in, in receiving feedback from teachers uh, and, and all staff not just teachers uh, but and also uh, for them to know that uh, that that we're working towards something too we're all working towards something and I, and I, and I feel like that is given a little bit more um, uh, you know authenticity a little bit more buy-in to uh, to what that goal setting process mm -hmm. is and and hopefully that will pay dividends along along the way with with staying motivated yeah. and I think another, I'm sorry go ahead Tom just to, just to build on that for one moment vulnerability in my opinion is a culture builder yes and so when you take the example you just shared I'll go back to the story I just shared about my son a few minutes ago you know, I wasn't modeling the expectations for him. And he was watching because he gave that smile the moment I got kicked under the table like, yeah, daddy, that's, what, what's up now, daddy, right? And when you think, it, it reminds me of, a, of one time being when I was a principal, I was in, um, early on in my principalship. And uh, it was a Monday afternoon. I For 60 straight minutes, we had a faculty meeting. It was the Tom show. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. It was your standard faculty meeting. On Tuesday, I was in the back doing a formal observation of a classroom. And, you know, it was kind of a 52-minute formal, standard formal observation. I'm taking notes and I'm finding the positives. And But for the most part, the teacher standed, uh, standed there you go, stood and delivered. <laughs> 
So I've got written in my notes, you know, when we have a captive audience for 52 straight minutes, we, we need to get them engaged, need to have them interactive, and it shouldn't just be one directional the whole time. Well, on Wednesday, the post observation, I'm sitting side by side with my teacher, and I look at the note, and I honestly started to feel nauseous because it hit me that here I am telling my staff, I'm modeling to my staff on Monday, 60 straight minutes of stand and deliver. On Tuesday, I'm watching it being critical in my own mind of 60 straight minutes of stand and deliver. And on Wednesday, about to tell my teacher, don't do what I just did on Monday. And I remember <laughs> and I remember saying to her, I remember saying her name, I said, you know, one of the pieces of feedback I would give is, when we've got this 52 straight minutes of time, you know, we've got to do more than really be one directional the whole time. And I pointed out some of the good things she had done and she used some humor until she could t told some good stories. But I will tell you, one of my most humbling moments as a principal was then saying, but I can't finish the sentence without saying on Monday when I ran the faculty meeting, I did the exact same thing. Like, how do we both get better at that? Mm -hmm. But if we don't have those conversations and like you were just talking about owning that with your staff and right. saying, guys, I'm messing this up. Up. that vulnerability it shows that we're human and if we come across as anything else as leaders people see right through it they don't buy it and it's relationship killers and i think when we own it and we say guys i'm i'm going to own that call because i that that was my call i made it and it did not go well and i'm going to own that and we're going to pivot we're going to try it this way people respect that why because that's how they feel every day in the classroom when a lesson doesn't go their way or something happens with a kid and what they tried didn't work so well and i think as admin, the more we can model that, the more we can build culture. Awesome. So I know that Jake's going to close us out here, but I, I do want to uh, just share my appreciation of uh, those messages that you embedded in this uh, short 30 minutes uh, and sharing your story and the power of your narrative and modeling that, uh, reminding us that uh, gathering voice is super important and being inclusive of other people and making sure that we are vulnerable and that we're inclusive um, and then it's, it's an interactive uh, type environment. So uh, I know that Jake will close it out here, but I, I really do appreciate you reminding us of, of all that great work and great practice. Yes, indeed. Tom, thank you very much. You're the man. We appreciate you joining us and making our podcast that much better uh, this time around. And if you want to hear more from Tom Murray, get on Twitter and it is at Thomas C. Murray. And if you feel like getting a few tidbits from a few other guys that know a little bit, you can follow us at uh, Sticks at Sticks Bailey at Mark McCord ten and at Jacob L E B sixty six. The numbers mean nothing. I just picked them randomly. Uh, but no, again, Tom can't thank you enough. Uh, you're 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 incredible, and we appreciate all that you do in, in helping us make ourselves better. I appreciate the opportunity and for anybody listening, I'll just share, you know, the things that I've talked about, I, I certainly don't have them all together. I, it's not coming at it from a place of, Hey, I've perfected this or that. That is not the case. It's coming from a place of, Hey, I've messed this up. I've been down in the dirt. I know those feelings together. We can do this for kids. And, and what I know is the work is incredibly hard, but I also know our amazing kids are worth it. And so I wish you all the best. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great to connect. Thank you. Thank you.